Good morning. Um, my name is Winston Coltart, um, and um, I'm preaching this morning because our pastor Doug uh, is away on a marriage treat with his wife, uh, retreat, not treat, uh, with his wife Christy uh, and Theron and Elizabeth Dahl. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a delight and an honor to be with you today. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to be continuing in this series, The Whole Life, The Whole Way. Uh, based on that passage in, in uh, Matthew chapter 22 that we were looking at last week, um, and that uh, Kay, I can't see her now, was, uh, there she is, uh, was, was singing on, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Um, and Doug preached the introductory sermon last week, and, and this week we're looking specifically at matters of the heart. Now, this concept of heart um, in, in the Bible um, refers to the, the deepest part of, of, of who we are as, as people. Um, and uh, yeah, so to delve into this, we're going to another part of the book of Matthew. And I, I actually just want to ask if you wouldn't mind taking out uh, the pew Bibles. We have these awesome pew Bibles, um, and I've never used it before, but they, they're so good. So if you want to turn to page 860 of the Pew Bibles. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Um, and then if, if you wouldn't mind standing, I'll give it a read. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy... Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Lord God, I thank you for your word. It is full of hope. It is full of light and life. I pray this morning that we would set our hearts in heaven, that we would learn what it means to, to store our treasures there. Uh, and that you would you would encourage us, you would motivate us, and you would cause us to love you more. In Jesus' name, Amen. You guys can be seated. So, we're talking about storing up treasures. Where to store them up and where not to store them up. 
Store them up in heaven. Don't store them up on earth. Well, how does one store up treasures on earth? There's the obvious one. Make your bank account bigger. Store up actual riches. Store up money. That's, that's, that's one obvious way we can store up uh, treasures on earth. Um, I think uh, it's broader than that, though. If you, if you look previously uh, in Matthew chapter 6, I think you see other examples of, of storing up treasures on earth. So at first, um, you have these people who are giving money to the poor, um, but they're doing it in such a way that everyone can see that they're doing it with the hopes that people will look at them and say, wow, look how generous he is. I mean, he's just giving out money to the poor. Look at that. And then you have uh, people who are praying uh, in the synagogue, um, and they're praying these eloquent prayers in front of people with the hope that people say, my goodness, what a good prayer he is. I mean, I think you just used a five-syllable word there. This guy has a spiritual life, boy. Man, what a, what a, what a, what a prayerful person. And, and then, of course, there's, there's the person who, who fasts um, and uh, fasts in such a way that everyone can notice their hair is disheveled and they have a little bit of a stagger to their walk, and it looks like they haven't eaten in three years. Um, and everyone looks about them and says, wow, this guy's a faster. Oh my goodness, I want to be like him. Isn't he awesome? Well, these are all ways that we can store up treasures on this earth. And that is precisely what Jesus is intent on prohibiting in this passage. Do not store up for yourselves riches on earth. Why? Because those riches are always temporary. They're always fleeting. Moths can come and and destroy them. Moths are creatures that, that, that corrupt materials in a sporadic fashion. They, they nibble a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, and, and before you know it, the, the garment is ruined. Or rust might get it. Rust is an agent that corrupts the material in a more systematic fashion. The entirety of, uh, of, the, of the object is corrupted by rust. It, it, it moves through systematically. And, and then it's almost like we're thinking, oh, well, I just have to find a way of protecting these earthly treasures. So, so I can put it in a place where I can keep out the moths uh, and, and protect it from the elements. And then maybe I can have some surety, some guarantee that this earthly treasure will remain. Uh, and even still, a thief can break in to that sanctuary and steal, and your treasure is lost. No matter how much time we spend investing in earthly treasures, no matter how well we safeguard them, they will always be vulnerable to loss. 
economies plummet. People's high opinion of you changes. You, you might be impressive to one group of people and repulsive to another. There is no surety in earthly treasures. And even if by some miracle you're able to retain them in this life, well, what good is that when our life here is but a breath? The exhortation is here, here is don't, don't let your actions be motivated by storing up treasures here. Let your actions be motivated by storing up treasures in heaven. Do things with the intention of receiving heavenly rewards. Uh, but perhaps you're like me. Perhaps you feel just a little bit weird about all of this. I, I don't want my actions to be motivated by any reward. You can't entice me with rewards, Lord. I'm doing this out of love. Winston, you idiot. If, if God didn't want you to be motivated by uh, rewards, he wouldn't have made promises consistently in Scripture that that if you obey him, he will reward you. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have called myself an idiot. Emmy hates it when I call myself an idiot, but uh, I usually just do it in a joking fashion, so I think that makes it all right. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, Scripture consistently speaks about us receiving rewards. Here's a sampling. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 11 through 12. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of the little ones because of me is a disciple. Truly, I tell you, he will never lose his reward. Luke 6.35 But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. 1 Corinthians 3.8 Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. 1 Corinthians 3.14 If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. This is just a sampling of the scriptures that speak about reward. So we, we see there's a reward for being persecuted, for having evil things said about you for the name of Christ. There's a reward, uh, there's a reward for showing acts of mercy uh, to those who are suffering, even as little as a cup of water. Uh, there's reward in loving your enemies, the loving people who hate you. There's a reward in planting and in sowing. 
uh, and there's a reward when, when the work that you do, do has a lasting impact. Uh, and it even says in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 3.8, um, each will receive a reward according to what he has done. So there's, there, there are rewards in proportion to your obedience. Now, as I say, this is not something, this is something novel to me. This is not a way I typically motivate myself in. And, and I, I think there's some stumbling blocks in here for me. Why, why would I need a reward to motivate me? Shouldn't I just love God and, and, and do this? And, and it, it, it feels a little bit mercenary, maybe, to do things for the sake of getting a reward. Well, I think um, a pastor by the name of Randy Elkhorn uses a, a helpful illustration. Uh, he says, say um, Saturday uh, day someday, uh, he needs a bunch of yard work to be done. Um, and so he goes to his children and he says, um, I, I need some help uh, with yard work. Could, could you help me out? Um, and... Uh, and if you do, then um, I'll give you uh, $50 each for the day, um, and, and Saturday night we'll all go out to a nice restaurant and, and have a meal. Um, and he makes this proposal to his kids, and, and I don't think we would think it, it's particularly noble if his kids said, no, no, Father, um, We'll do the work for you, by all means, but please, please, we couldn't think of, uh, uh, of receiving that money. Uh, perish the thought. Uh, no, no, we won't come with you uh, to, to that restaurant. We couldn't. We couldn't. No, no, no. That's quite beneath us. Um, we wouldn't think that particularly noble, and if anything, we might think it's even maybe disrespectful. Um, you see... How different is that situation to the situation where he asks his children, please, I need help to do yard work on Saturday. And then they come back to him a few hours later and they say, um, look, we've been thinking about this whole proposal and it's all very well and good, but um, we're not going to do this work unless you give us $50 each and you take us to a nice restaurant afterwards. Uh, that completely changes things. It makes a big difference whose idea the reward is. Uh, and certainly if we came to God and said, we're not going to obey you uh, unless you lavish rewards on us, well, that would be blasphemous. That would be ungrateful. But God, through his word, is 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 the initiator of these promises. He is the one who comes to us and says, I will reward you if you obey me. And again, we hit a snag because we are so rightly conditioned to think in terms of grace. We know that the only thing we bring to the table in our salvation is the sin that made that salvation necessary. We, we could not do anything to become children of God. We cannot do anything in our own strength. 
to enter the kingdom of God. We must enter like a child. And, and so the, this talk of, you know, show mercy to people and you'll receive a reward, it, it kind of makes the back of your neck bristle. It sounds like works-based righteousness. And, and yet again, I think this illustration about the yard work helps here. If that man's children didn't do the work that Saturday for whatever reason, they would be $50 worse off and they wouldn't have a nice meal at a restaurant that Saturday night. But they would still have every other benefit of being his children. They would still have a roof over their heads. They would still have love. They would still have their needs provided for by their father. Their participation in this labor was not what made them children, was not what, what, what gave them acceptance. No, no, if they participated, they would receive an additional reward. But it was an, it's entirely their status as, as children. It's nothing that they have done on their own might that has, uh, that has given them that, that initial uh, status. And, and so too with, uh, with these rewards. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot do anything good enough, well enough, uh, to ultimately be accepted by your heavenly Father. And yet, and yet, for those of us who have been saved by grace alone through faith, miraculously, over and above that, God promises us that, that if we obey Him in sincerity of heart, He shall reward us. How would you live differently if, if you were mindful of these rewards? Because I've... I've sort of always read the previous part of Matthew chapter 6, kind of as saying, don't pray so that you'll get a reward. Just, just pray out of sincerity and don't worry about the reward. Of course, that's not what the passage says at all, but that's how I read it. We, we don't have to remove our God-given des uh, desire in us to be Rewarded. We don't have to pretend like we're more sanctified than we really are. If we are naturally motivated by rewards and God is promising us rewards, well, if someone is being unkind to you at work, one way you can encourage yourself to, to remain gracious, to continue to love them, is to remind yourself that in so doing, your Father will reward you in due course. When everyone mistakes you, when no one sees how, how sincere you are before your Heavenly Father, how prayerful you really are, yes, you miss out on a certain type of reward, but, but you, you will still be rewarded. We, we can pray, thankful, that, that merely by praying 
with sincerity to our Father. We are storing up for ourselves treasures on heaven. It's, it's, a, it's a novel thought for me, and yet this is what Jesus is, is telling us in his word. So how do we know if we are storing up riches in heaven? Uh, verse 22, where your treasure is, your heart will be. Wherever you are setting your heart, there you will be storing up your treasures. This is not rocket science. You will receive your reward from precisely the same place where you are seeking it. If you're seeking it from your contemporaries, if you're seeking it in your career, well, that's where you will receive it. But that reward will be fleeting. If you are seeking it from your Father in heaven, that is where you'll be seeking it. To change metaphors, as verse 22 does, where are you casting your eyes? Are you, are you setting your mind on things above, on, on life, on light? Or are you setting it horizontally on the world around you? Wherever you set your eyes, wherever you place your heart, there it is that you are storing up your treasure. And then verse 24 gets intensely practical and somewhat uncomfortable. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. These are two competing masters here. Both of them want to control the entirety of your being and person. And we think, well, why can't we serve both God and money? I mean, I, could, I, can, I can work at Chick-fil-A and at Starbucks, can't I? I can have more than one job. I can support two sports teams. I mean, yeah, why can't I? Why can't I have two masters? Well, to think that is, is to misunderstand the nature of God and money. These are two all-consuming masters. In fact, in the, in the Greek, Jesus doesn't use the usual word for money here. He uses the word mammon. He, he, he uses almost a, almost a made-up word that, 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 that personifies the concept of money, makes it like a person, makes it like a god. And mammon is a deceptive master. Mammon never comes out publicly and says to you, worship me. Mammon is a master that acts like your slave. Mammon comes to you and he says, I'm yours. Have of me as much as you like. Have of me as much as you can. Spend me on what you will. I am at your service, Lord. And we think we have control of it. All the while, Mammon is controlling us. We must be choose between that 
and God. God has no toleration of mammon. God looks at you and he says, if I am your master, everything you have is mine. All your money, all your time, all your resources. You cannot put your money in a savings account unless that is what brings me the most glory. You're not allowed to spend your money on a better car if that's not what brings you the most glory. And we recoil at that. And we say, what? You're saying, I'm not allowed to use my own money in the way that I want to. How dare you? And then we are echoing the words of mammon. That's mammon whispering in our ears, saying, I'm yours. Do with me as you please. Who will you serve this morning? God is not content to be a co-master. He looks at you and he says, everything you have is mine. It is a gift from me. It shall be used for my glory. And I'm not saying that we can't put our money in savings accounts. Second uh, Corinthians 12:14 actually says, "Children don't save up. Children aren't uh, un, under obligation to save up for their parents, but parents are for their children. Um, and so there's nothing wrong with saving money away. Of course, there's nothing wrong uh, in, in a certain instance in, in, in buying a better car. And yet the question here is a question of authority. Do you have the say? yourself over what you do with your money or does God whose will are you seeking and that is true of 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 our money that is true of our time that is true of our relationships God is entirely intolerant of any other masters he expects that we will submit all of ourselves to him and his service. Mammon is not a real God. Mammon is a puppet. Mammon is a puppet of the one who comes to kill, seek, and destroy. He makes us think that he has our best interests in heart, uh, at heart. But he is truly our enemy. God is a master who became like us, who took on flesh, who took on suffering, who walked a road he didn't need to walk and died a gruesome death on a cross for our behalf. He is the master who gave everything for us. And this morning, you're faced with a choice. Are you going to serve the master who hates you? Or are you going to serve the master who loves you and who has given everything for you? Where will you set your heart? And where are you storing your treasure?
Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that though we come to you completely empty-handed, though we don't deserve the grace that you give, the salvation that you have won for us, yet you give us that through faith and you give us more. You reward us for our obedience, our shaky-legged, wavering obedience. You lavish on us treasures. I pray that we would set our hearts on you this morning. And as we do, that we would be storing up for ourselves riches in in heaven. May we serve you and you alone with everything we have. In the matchless name of Jesus, our King. Amen.